Thanks so much, Doug. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Jen Perigo. I'm the Assistant Dean of Career Services at BC Law. Um, we're so happy you could join us here today, whether or not you are a new graduate or a current law student or a lawyer already in practice hoping to make a career transition. I hope uh, that we all know the basics of the job search, certainly. Um, law school career offices like ours at BC provide a lot of programming and advising and resources on the job search generally. Um, and of course, there's a lot of information on the internet, but the purpose of this program is to get beyond the basics and really give you some great tips as to how to stand out um, in what is typically a very competitive legal job market and, and certainly now. Um, I recently wrote a blog post on behalf of the um, New Lawyer Employment Committee with the BBA on five tips to stand out in a good way in your job applications on the BBA's blog, Beyond the Billable. And I certainly would encourage you to um, check that out for a few tips. Um, but even better, I am so happy to moderate this great panel of lawyers who have a lot of experience interviewing and coaching and, and most importantly, hiring new law graduates. And I'm excited to hear their tips. So. With that, um, I'm actually going to have the panelists introduce themselves. Alvin, how about we start with you? Hi, everyone. I'm Alvin Benjamin Carter III. I'm a third-year associate at Brown Rednick. I'm in the corporate department. Also do a bit of trademark work. Chris? Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Strang. I'm managing partner of Strang, Scott, Giroux, and Young. I use the term managing partner loosely as there's only three partners, but still my name is first. Um, I also, on the side, teach the small and mid-sized firm externship program at BU Law, and I'm an active member of the BBA and the BBF. I specialize in construction law, and we actually just recently hired a 2020 law graduate to work at the firm a couple of months ago, so I'm fresh on what the resumes look like. Morning, everyone. My name is Ojin Saren. I am the director of um, talent management at Sullivan and Worcester. A mid-sized law firm here in Boston, and I also head up our marketing function as well, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you all so much for being here. Um, we're going to cover a number of topics today on how to stand out in your job search, and so we'll kind of take it in, in pieces. Um, let's start with something that we're all encouraged to do, uh, which is to make connections in the legal community or, or networking, as we all say. Um, Alvin, in your experience, what are the most effective ways you've seen new lawyers reach out for networking purposes? You know, perhaps even from the initial email um, to perhaps someone you felt who really stood out and impressed you in a meeting. Um, one of the most effective ways is to reach out with a bit of intentionality. Um, I mean, they're all kind of cold emails because you're not probably working with any of them at the moment. That, but if you, you know, you see you look up the person, see something interesting about their practice, was there an interesting case or matter they worked on? Um, were they in the news? Um, did their firm uh, have something that's, you know, that, that was good in the news that you could use as a, as a pivot point into maybe asking them for coffee? Um, I've really seen, you know, folks kind of win some points when they show that they're actually interested in the person or the firm. And also emails that are more, you might reference, you know, some points that make sense about you, but more about getting to know the attorney you're reaching out to and the firm you're reaching out to. And I've also seen what worked for me was um, when it made sense at offering, you know, to help with something. It was an instance where they were like, oh yeah, we'll be looking for some law students to do X, Y, and Z at some point at this event I was at. And when I followed up with the person, I said, by the way, I'd also be willing to participate in that if that's something you're still looking for. So, you know, always showing that you're, you're there and available 
obviously you won't be jumping in and doing legal work with them necessarily, um, but um, showing that you're, you're ready to go. And then when you meet with them, also talk to them about them. Uh, attorneys like to talk about themselves. Um, I think that's fair to say about a lot of people. And really uh, do your homework so you can talk about, you know, you know what questions to ask. Um, you're not going to go in knowing everything. You're not going to impress anyone with your how well you know secure transactions. Um, you know what you want to do is just go in and be genuine and let them get a sense of who you are because that's a lot of what they're going to relay back to various folks and committees at their firm. Thank you. Such good. You know, you mentioned um, the news, Alvin. You know, kind of. Um, what resources do you, you know certainly the globe linkedin you know little shameless plug for the bba's law firm news email that comes out every week i always find that really interesting are there any other resources maybe industry specific specific um resources that you would recommend to this crowd check and see if you're if you're still in law school or fresh out you might still have access through your library um but there's like the boston business journal um different uh, industry specific journals i know i used to follow um uh, Law 360 for IP um, and a couple of other things. Law 360 is actually, you can get almost every update you would need to know for larger and even mid-sized law firms for matters. And there's also, if you know someone at a firm and they're talking about, oh, there's all this interesting stuff going on. We just had to, you know, we put out an announcement that we're going to enter the life science space in a way we haven't before. Ask them about that. Ask who's the head of that. And there's ways to do that too, because your network is probably just as good as any of any you know thing you'll find online if you know some other recent grads. Great. Just to add on that, um, you know, I think it can't be understated how important social media is generally, but LinkedIn in particular, most law firms have a LinkedIn page, and you know they post a whole host of things on there, but job postings are one of them. Um, but I think certainly if you see something that's posted about a lawyer and you find it interesting, it's total fair game to reach out to, you know, look up that person on the firm's website, reach out to them and say, I saw the law firm's posting on LinkedIn about this specific subject area. I saw that you worked on this. I find it so interesting. And that's it. I mean, that's step one in opening up a relationship with someone at a firm that you might be interested in. But LinkedIn has been absolutely key, I think, in the whole job process, the job interview process. I agree with that. I also want to add Mass Lawyers Weekly um, to the list of resources. Uh, there are classified ads where there's law firms posting jobs, but there's also news. Law firms post their news on there. And so you can get the latest, who's got stuff going on as a law firm. And maybe that gives you some sort of reason to look interested in that law firm. You can reach out to somebody who just won a case, you who just won an award, Congratulations on that. I'm really interested in learning more. It's a, it's a great resource um, and almost every lawyer in town is reading it at some level. Such great tip. Um, you know, so conversely, I guess, Ojin, are there specific examples of things that new graduates have done to stand out in a bad way? You know, any networking mistakes or missteps that you've seen? Definitely. Um, so, you know, I think that it's certainly good to be aggressive when you're looking for a job. But I do think that there's something um, in being too aggressive. And so an example of that is um, it's always good to follow up to see where you are in the application process. If you've gone through an interview, 
um, or reached out and just want to know what the status of your uh, application is, absolutely fair game. But then doing it um, four or five times to five or six people within an organization, I I've seen that and I've seen it go really wrong. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I would definitely temper yourself. And I know so many um, job applicants are just excited and especially if they're passionate about a firm, they want to make that passion known. And I think that's absolutely important, but I think that it has to be just tempered a little bit. Um, the other thing that I would say, especially in this virtual environment, we're all very relaxed in this environment. And, you know, we're certainly not dressing up every day like we normally would have if we're going into the office. But I think it's important to remember that in any sort of interaction that you have with at, with a law firm or a lawyer that you're interested in um, impressing, every single contact should be considered an interview. And, you know, that means at least from the waist up, um, you know, dressing appropriately, looking presentable. I mean, I've seen candidates come on to interviews in sweatshirts and like hair a mess and, you know, it, it's, less in, it's less important in this environment, but it still makes an impression. And I think that's, um, something that you just need to keep in mind. Yes, we're all relaxed. Yes, we're all virtual. And, you know, I'm, you know, frankly, I'm wearing sweatpants today and a suit jacket, but, you know, I, I'm showing you that I look presentable and I think that's super important. Um, the other thing that I would say is when you are in an interview, and I've seen this actually um, hurt a really good candidate's chances of, of getting into a firm. When a question is asked, make sure that you actually fully answer the question. Um, because sometimes, especially if it's pertaining to a, a position that they're, um, a prior position or a piece of experience that they're asking you about, I've seen that hurt candidates um, because it sort of gives the impression that, you know, maybe that whatever they wrote on their resume is not fully accurate or they can't really talk about it. And, and it does leave a little question in a person's mind. Um, but anyway, those are just some tips that I think I've seen gone wrong for really, really good candidates. Thank you. Yeah, um, and plan, plan for who you're going to meet. I mean, a lot of times I'll agree to give an informational interview or just to have networking, uh, Zoom coffee with somebody and they're just hey, tell me about what you do. And that's all they have for the meeting. And we, we're three minutes in and we're out of material. You know, think yeah. of questions, think of things that you want to get into conversations about as, as topic areas. What do you want to get out of the, the half hour, the hour that you have? And so you come in there and you say, I would love it if you could tell me about your practice area. I would love to meet some of the people in your network. What sort of organization should I be joining? You know, ask those questions so that you're productive in that time. And you're not just making the connection, but you're, you're making the memorable connection. Such a good point, and that you're respecting the person's time, right? I mean, lawyers are busy people and have a lot to do. Um, Chris, you know, while you were talking, you're probably one of the best networkers I have known, and really put a lot of time into cultivating and maintaining your network. You know, again, in the theme of how to stand out, what's truly impressive, and to give someone an edge in the job search. You know, what are some of the most effective ways, either um, you know, a current lawyer or a new graduate uh, can use to follow up and stay in touch with your network without sounding shallow? Right, you know, I think we've all gotten those kind of empty happy birthday messages or I, I love a birthday message, don't get me wrong, but you know, how do you genuinely stay in touch with your network? 
So the first thing you want to do is when you're in the meeting that you have, leave it with a plan. And so you're meeting with me, we're talking, you say, hey, can I circle back with you in 30 days and see how we're progressing? Maybe we can you know, talk about additional steps if I haven't found my opportunity yet, or if I wanted to you know, try some different contacts of yours, or maybe you ask me for specific people that I can introduce you to at the end of the meeting. And then you go meet them and follow, circle back with me and say, they were awesome. Thank you for in introducing me. Um, and, and simple things like follow me on LinkedIn. And you know, when I get a, a good news on my firm, you can say, hey, great job on that. Nice to see you made the news again. Um, anything positive that you can come up with, but also like just be professional and consistent and follow through. When you ask for examples of people you should talk to, go do that before you come back to me and ask for more advice. Did you talk to the three people I recommended? Well, no, not yet. Well, why are you here? I'm, I'm step two, you know, move it down the line. But also know that sometimes they're just not that into you. So your time is valuable too. If they don't seem interested in helping you, don't keep following up right? There's, there's nothing there. So focus on the people who are productive with information and assistance for you. That's great advice. Any other, th you know, Ojin, you um, mentioned, you know, the, the virtual world, you know, and the challenge of that. Any other tips generally from the panel about how to network in a virtual world? Anything, you know, particularly unique? I think one of the biggest challenges of interviewing in a virtual environment is um, taking a moment and just realizing that even though this isn't in person, we're still just two people talking. And I think trying to remain authentic to who you are and relaxed, you know, in a normal, in a normal interview, in a normal world, which we're currently not, you're not looking at yourself talking while you're in an interview, right? So it's it can be very awkward and very daunting. And then you start judging yourself automatically. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're all guilty of it. Um, but I think just realizing that um, if I'm interviewing you, I'm doing the exact same thing. And I'll let, you know, I'm trying to just bring the tone down and, you know, we're two people talking and try not to forget that. I think, you know, it's very easy to be, for nervousness to come out in an interview in a virtual world much more than I think if we were just two people talking in a room, you know, trying to get to know each other. So, so know that, you know, we're feeling the same thing you're feeling in that sense. So do your best to try and put it aside. Um, so, and just really being authentic to who you are, I think is truly important. Thank you to Ojin's earlier point about being casually, casually dressed recognize that so are we sometimes. So maybe just a regular phone call instead of a request for you know on camera stuff because sometimes we didn't shave that day or comb our hair and we don't want to get on the Zoom and try to look impressive for you. So just offer, you know, is the call okay? Do you want, you know, do you want to Zoom? Do you want to do something else? Like, can we sit 10 feet apart outside somewhere? However you want to do it, but offer some alternatives and, and not just to ask your own medium for meeting people. I'd also throw in that normally I wear a bow tie every day. And since the pandemic, I have not because I was always the person who was so dressed up with folks I already worked with. <laughs> so, you know, I figured I'll dial it back. But, um, you know, being formally dressed to the, the normal extent also I don't think hurts um, just because you don't, don't necessarily try to drop down because you go, well, they're probably not show up as you would anyways. Like I've gone to interviews 
well before I was involved in law in a suit because I thought, well, they might not, they might be in polos, but I'm going to be in a suit. I'm not going to be the one with the issue when I show up unless it was completely inappropriate. But so I would say, don't be afraid to. And I'm sorry, I don't have my bow tie on today. Thank you all. And, you know, I would also say that, you know, we're still having virtual networking events, right? And so you are on a webinar now, so we can't see all of you as participants. We're looking forward to hearing your questions and so forth. But, you know, one thing I have noticed is that, you know, just like when you're sitting in class, you know, there's a kind of a misperception that no one can see you or no one is paying attention to you. When in Zoom, I think it's even worse, you know, like your name is right there. And, you know, if you're distracted or not paying attention or you seem bored, you don't seem completely engaged, you know, that leaves a, a negative impression. And conversely, again, if you seem engaged and so forth and, and um, really into what we're saying, again, just like a classroom, you know, that professor can, can actually see everybody there. You feel like they're not really seeing you, but in Zoom, I find it, it's even more pronounced. So let's move on um, to the application materials. You know, what I was saying earlier that that's what I um, wrote the blog post on, you know, um, you know, people I think see, know that uh, legal employers get a pile of applications or, you know, lots of email applications for a job um, that, you know, is, is very competitive. You know, Ojin, is there anything in particular that you've seen to make one's application stand out? Yeah, I think the first point to get across is assume that we read everything. And, you know, I think there's a lot that gets submitted in an application process, a writing sample and, you know, um, transcripts. Assume that we read it all um, because most firms do, in fact, read everything. Um, I think the biggest thing that you need to keep in mind is make sure that you have absolutely no typos in anything that you submit. Um, that is huge for us because, you know, we want to feel as though that you took the time and effort to really submit your best work. And, and that best work includes your resume and a cover letter if you submit a cover, a cover letter. Um, and I would say, even if, even let's say you see a job online and it says submit a resume and a transcript or a writing sample, even if it doesn't say a cover letter, cover letter, take the time to write one. Because for me, I actually really pay attention to what's in the cover letter because in my mind, it's almost like a personal statement. It's something outside of what I think is in the resume and it's gonna tell me a little bit more about the person. And I actually really enjoy reading them um, because it gives me an insight into who I'm going to meet. The other thing that I think really stands out for me and maybe you know I'm different in this sense, but I think it's super important is seeing things on a resume other than legal work. In other words, if you were a waiter or a waitress, or you were a bartender, or you worked as a cashier somewhere, customer service related jobs that are non-legal, I think give an impression to me that this person understands what it's like to be in a service industry and you know can hustle when they need to hustle. And that really stands out to me. So you know, I think there's such a focus on making sure that everyone has the right experience, but I actually think that um, experience other than legal that shows true service, a client service is one of the things that stand out the most for me. That's great. 
I mean, that's a great answer. You covered a lot of ground. I want to add to the point on the cover letter. Everybody spends a lot of time perfecting their resume and they get a little lazy with the cover letters. And I was guilty of that too when I was a law student, recent graduate. You sort of have three spots where you copy and paste the name of the person you're writing to and, and you know, and everything else is the same as every other cover letter you're sending out. And so when somebody actually like, hey, I noticed from your website, you, you want a case or you have this cool practice area that's really interesting to me. That person spent some time on me. I want to spend more time on them. So it's really important to use that first paragraph to, to grab them with being a little bit different. And speaking of a little bit different, going back to the, the resume with the non-legal jobs, excellent point. I also want to bring in, what else do you do? You know, some, some interests, some activities, show your personality a little bit. Every law student looks so similar when you're, when you're just finishing law school. You've taken three years of law school, great. You took the bar, great. Maybe a mock trial or a moot court or something, you know, but get into a little bit that makes you different than everybody else who's applying for the job. Tell them something fun about yourself. Say to follow up on that, firms really do remember that because I had on my resume that I practiced mixed martial arts and that I DJed events and I even DJed at the, at, um, at, for the Red Sox once, well, for an event at, at the stadium. And do you know when I was a summer and they introduced us all and I walked down the stairs, they said, stand back. Here's a mixed martial artist who's also a DJ. And I was like, you remembered that? We didn't even discuss that. But they announced that to everyone at the firm in the Boston office. So I think that was a fun note that they got ideas that I did other things. But um, one other thing to follow up on the resume and what Ojin said about the typos is have someone who's not in your orbit of law school, the legal profession, read your materials because they're not going to be as worried about how does do I put moot court before you know law review or how do I do that they're going to say oh well did you spell that correctly you know uh, look for the word the judgment oh yeah then how is that spelled things that they'll pull out that you might have done wrong so many times or you've seen so many times you glaze over um, I know I definitely my, my wife reviewed a whole bunch of things for me and you know, they're worried about stuff like, did you use the right there or the right to, the little things that you might not be as worried about. That's great, great advice. Um, let's stick with you. Um, you know, how do you, we've talked about networking, you know, now we're talking about the materials or, or getting, getting the interview, right? You know, how do you leverage your network to bring your application to the attention of the relevant attorney or decision makers? So this is the one time, you know, I'd say like right from being a law student to a recent grad where it like the whole cold call thing is pretty easy to do, but look at who you're around. So all your calls aren't that cold. Um, when you leverage your network, you're not necessarily asking for a favor. You're saying, hey, who should I talk to about this? And very often law firms have, they want people to reach out. I'm part of a committee who helps, you know, recruit and anytime I talk to someone, that's a possibility that I refer this person's name to that committee. So you just ask the people you know, if you know anyone that's interned at these places, you probably do know attorneys at these places and don't feel afraid to reach out. They remember you. I had an interview uh, for at one firm and I was told by the interviewer, oh, so-and-so says hi. I had to stop for about 10, 20 seconds and think who is so-and-so? They were the first attorney I met at the first networking event on like my first week of law school. And this person happened to remember my name. They probably wrote it down somewhere. They probably told someone, you know, this is someone I met and, you know, you might follow up with. Now I followed up with that person and, you know, it just was a normal follow-up and that was that. 
but that goes to show that you know you're always out there you're always being presented people remember you so it might not be as cold of a call when you reach out to people especially if it's someone through your network um, i'd also say if you're looking to reach out to folks that might be a bit higher up be very careful be aware of their time be aware that they might not get back to you um, it's often better when it's appropriate i, I recently know of someone who got offered really great opportunity from a managing partner of a firm because it worked out that that's who they were in touch with. And you know that skips some steps for them, which is great. But that's not the only way to go. Um, it, everybody's important too. Um, you know, if you're talking to some, talk, a staff member, an attorney, um, it could be a managing partner, everyone you talk to could have some bearing on do your materials reach the right spot and even some bearing on if you work there. So I would say, uh, think of your whole network, not just the attorneys that you know are at the top as the people you wanna reach out to. Yeah, and just to add to what Alvin just said, um, you know, we do pretty scrupulously keep track of who attends our events and who we meet at law firms. Um, which I think is is nice because you know we know who's doing their homework and is trying showing a true interest in our firm. But also these events, for example, I think are great for follow up. You know, so if if something that Alvin or Chris said or I said that strikes something with you and you want to follow up, it's fair game, and we actually welcome that. And so every event that you attend you know, whether it's through the BBA or your law school or a law firm that puts on whatever it is, reach out to people and, um, and you know, now know that they're part of your network. And, you know, kind of like what Jen said, we can't in this call, but, but a lot of times we can see who's attending and we see the names and we recognize and we're also taking note too. Um, so I think, you know, I consider us part of your network now. I think that's an important point to get across. Absolutely. And, you know, I think um, this is kind of simple, but even a thank you, you know, you know, oh, Jen, you were saying fair game, and I'm certainly not asking all of you in attendance to write us a thank you note. But for example, I just recently did an admissions event for BC Law, and, you know, I'm talking to people all over the country, and I got a nice thank you note from, you know, two or three students. And, and that was memorable. You know, you think, oh, that's nice. I don't have to do anything with it. I don't necessarily have to respond. It's just all, you know, good feelings coming at me, and I'm going to remember of that. So um, this is all terrific advice. Um, so Chris, you recently mentioned you hired a new graduate. So hopefully this topic is top of mind. Are there any common mistakes? You know, I know this program was built as how to stand out in a good way, but like, how do you stand out in a bad way? You know, that new lawyers make with their application materials, aside from typos and so forth. Yeah, I mean, the first mistake is, of course, not putting effort into the resume that you're putting on my desk in the, in the cover letter. Like, you just see a, a job uh, posting and you just throw your resume and cover letter in there as you do to everybody else. You got to tailor it to what we're doing. I'm a construction lawyer. If you're like, hey, I spent all of law school doing the DA's program, you know, the criminal clinic, you better have some explanation. Like, oh, I didn't like it. I, I wanted to do construction law when I, when I got in or something. Change your tune to the job in front of you um, as you approach it. But also uh, to Alvin's point earlier, make sure that you're looking for your connections because that's a, it, name dropping at interviews is great. <laughs> and you can say, oh, I, I heard you're good friends with so-and-so, you know, I worked for that law firm my, my 1L summer or, you know, something where you can make that sort of connection in a meaningful way. Um, but a lot of the mistakes were people that, that just didn't have any sort of confidence in their, in their interview. 
And I know that's a hard thing. It's easy to be nervous. We're all nervous when we're interviewing at some level. And now we're interviewing on video. Um, but practice so that you can come out and look confident. Because when clients want a lawyer, they want their lawyer to appear confident to them. So we have to, that, we have to screen that in the interview, make sure that you will be somebody that the clients will be trusting by being confident in yourself. And so spend a lot of time, do informational interviews, ask your mom, whatever. Somebody talk to you so you can sit at your computer. You can make sure you have a good angle and a good presentation. You're up sitting up straight and you're like, all right, I'm here for this job. Let's get it. Bring some confidence. I think that's great advice and a really good segue, actually, because I was going to pose this question to all of you. You know, how do people stand out in an interview? And, and one of the things, you know, that you said, Chris, really resonated with me because the one thing I always tell um, students, not only confidence, but enthusiasm. You know, I think people are really attracted to a positive candidate and someone who seems excited about the law and is intellectually curious. And I think, you know, Oh, Jun, you had mentioned nerves earlier. You know, sometimes nerves can get the better of you when you're in an interview and that, however your nervousness manifests itself, you know, sometimes comes across as lack of enthusiasm. And so I think that's, that's my tip. I remember those folks that really stand out. So any general tips about interviewing? You know, I think, I think a lot of it has been touched on, but certainly, I, you know, what Chris just said, displaying confidence in yourself is comes out you know very easily if don't be quiet project your voice obviously don't scream but you know project your voice be confident sit straight you know i mean sit you know have good posture all of that i think even if you're not a confident person and you're more of an introvert the simple little tweaks that you can make really give the sense of confidence um that i think people like us want to see, you know, because you're working in a law firm, whether it's working with a client or working with other attorneys, you're going to be put to the test. And so in our minds, we think, okay, how is this person going to deal with a problem on a day-to-day -day basis? How are they going to, how are they going to respond? And it's just the little tweaks that you could do in your presentation skills, I think that go really far. And, and the other thing is when you are doing virtual presentations, going back to what Chris said, look at the lighting in the room. There are filters on Zoom that will make you look better and, you know, use them. Because I think, you know, being in a dark room and the lighting, you know, we want to be able to see your whole self. Um, and I think, and again, so in our mind, we're thinking, oh, geez, well, if we're going to be in this virtual environment for six months and we have to put you in front of someone, how are you going to present to that person? So the little things to think about during an interview that you probably wouldn't otherwise, I think are just important tips to keep in mind. Uh, to follow up on that very specific point, to anyone here who is uh, follically challenged like me, try not to be too shiny. That is... It. <laughs> That's not as much of a thing when you're in person, but on the calls, it can happen. The glare is real and you don't want people to not know what you're saying because they're focusing on this. Um, <laughs> I attempted to today. I don't know how well it worked, but um, <laughs> as a more practical note for everybody, I would time say- I've heard that piece of advice. I love that. It's been, it's just kind of funny sometimes to see yourself um, but actually, another side tip, if you're in a, a, a viewing situation where you can move your box, put your box as close to your camera as possible because you're probably going to look at yourself more back to Ojin's point about doing that. So that way your eyes are always to the camera as much as they can be. Uh, I don't know in Zoom if that's the case, but at our firms, uh, what we use, 
you can move your box. And if you're worried about how you look, put that there, you're probably gonna look at that most. But um, the real practical note for an interview would be, I'd say, um, and this is kind of what Chris has talked about, um, confidence, but be comfortable, but don't confuse comfortable with colloquial. You know, just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you start with the yas and the ums and the just things that, you know, we are talking to friends. We're, this is how we communicate with everyone now. So when you get comfortable, just remember it's, it's not the family Zoom. And I know that probably sounds silly because it's a job and you want it, but your body's going to be doing what it does for everyone else. Um, usually you don't go and interview with your best friend, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, but you do Zoom with your best friend. So just remember when you get comfortable and you feel like it's going well, um, there's still that professional line that you need to, to judge for yourself. Um, you know, if you're best friends with this person and you grew up with them and they're the person who's recruiting you, maybe it's different, but that's usually not the case for most people. I, I wanted to ask, <clears throat> answer Jen's last question with something that I forgot. And it's don't mail in the question part of the interview. So many of the applicants that I had last time around when I hired a couple of months ago had the same exact questions. And I think that's because there is a sample Q&A suggestions from their various career development officers, not the BC students, they were all excellent, but take the samples that you, you got and make them your own, at least. Use them as a spark to come up with a better way to ask it. Because when you are the fourth person that asks me the same exact question, it feels lazy to me. And so make sure that you have some questions, make them unique and make them interesting. Make them about something that will be, you know, a thought provoking process for the interviewer to say, oh, that's a, that's a good question. I wonder what I, you know, what I have for an answer for you. So if you, if you use that part effectively, that's usually the end of the interview and you can end on a high note with some really solid, good questions. Yeah, and just to follow up with Chris too, I completely agree with that. And also if you're, you know, let's say you have three interviews at the same firm or four interviews and you're the last person and you, you know, you as the interviewer say, do you have any questions for me? And sometimes the answer is no, everyone I spoke with before answered my questions. No, don't do that. Take the time to actually ask them a question because it makes the last interviewer feel as though, well, you just don't care about them. Um, and you know, th that might seem kind of silly, but that's how it comes across. So I completely agree with that. And I'm usually the last interviewer. So. <laughs> well, I see we have a couple of questions. So I would love to answer um, the questions. Thank you all so much. Um, so the first question is, um, I usually will email recent grads from my law school to talk about their firm. How do you approach talking to partners who are usually older and who I have less in common with? Great, great question. Anybody? Take that one because I recently was in that seat. Um, so I think it's okay to reach out to them because they expect that. That's part of it. Um, I mean, part of any firm is attracting new talent and partners are usually very invested in that because that's what keeps the firm going. Um, having stuff in common, that, I mean, that that's, uh, yes, no, they're not the same age necessarily. They're probably not watching the same stuff on YouTube, but that's not really the point. You're here to, to show them that you're interested. And I always say, you know, people want to take, you want someone to take a chance on you and you want to give them enough so that they'll believe that they made the right choice in taking that chance, right? So, you know, you, you want to just reach out about the firm, about them, um, talk about you as appropriate and not so much worry about who they are, 
as much as this is what you're doing for anyone who who has you know they, they can hire you or they're part of that process you just reach out you don't have to have so much in common uh, socially or personally i think pick something from their resume just choose i see you have a lot of experience in construction law i see you've served as an officer at the bba i see you're active in your alumni council open with something that you can say like i've looked into you i'm interested in you and i'd like to learn more about that thing that you have experience doing you know my age and experience you can use that to sort of make fun of me for being old but also you can learn a lot from people who have had significant experience doing things and, and present yourself as the student looking for a mentor yeah and just to add to what alvin and chris said my experience is, is anytime one of our partners gets an email from a student or someone applying for a job, they're actually quite thrilled to answer. Because I, I don't think they get them as much as maybe some of the associates because the associates are a bit closer at a law school. And I think most law students and people looking, you know, more junior folks looking for jobs feel more comfortable reaching out. So the partners don't get as much contact. And when they do, they actually are quite thrilled to get it. And they get excited to respond. So don't, going back to what Alvin said, don't let someone's title um, deter you from reaching out. Great. Well, we have a few other questions here. Um, do you think discussing prior non-legal experience that isn't on your resume during interview questions or in your cover letter hurts you? Not at all. No, I mean, I, I think it depends on what context that it comes into the interview, but I think certainly talking about anything you've done um, in your life is says a story about you. And that's, you know, that's what we're trying to get at. What's your story? So yeah, the, segue, I, the segue is what matters, right? If, if you have a story about a time you did some landscaping a summer in high school, like how is that relevant here? You know, so you want to make sure that it's an answer to a question. You say, well, I have this experience dealing with whatever when I had this job. And, and so that's how I learned how to problem solve or something like that, where you bring it into with, bring it into the conversation with a purpose. I love hearing about the interesting, crazy jobs people had in high school and college and, and things like that. But I also like to know what, what did you get out of it that matters to me? To that point, I had a, uh, a job where I ended up rising to be an associate director at, at uh, Harvard University. But prior to that, I was the media technician, like, you know, a few jobs prior. And I, you, don't list the media technician thing you were for a year and a half when you have an associate director position, but it came up when, you know, was there something difficult at your time in the university world? And I mentioned, well, one time I was setting up a video conference, which is now hilarious. There was a whole department for that when we all do it on our phones. And they, I had to tell a high ranking professor and a president of a country that the video conference was not going to work. So that was, you know, helped me, you know, deliver tough information and keep them all happy because they were our clients and if their professor in particular is upset with us that that hurts our department and that was a quick thing where now they're probably like whoa what job was that where that wasn't the director job but i think they did like the information because it was relevant to their question and there was still some continuity um it was like oh yeah before i was promoted a couple of times and i got to say before i was promoted a couple of times which probably doesn't hurt um, so you, your experiences are all valuable. It's just as you know they've said before, the segue and making them make sense. You don't want to just throw up, uh, oh, one time I did this great thing. You want to make sure it really makes sense. 
Well, and I think on a related note, learning how to tell that type of story succinctly and, and teasing out the right things, you know, what was the challenge of that story? What was the result? What was your part in that story? You know, um, you know, is really, it doesn't come easily to people, especially, you know, if you're telling a story to your friend, you're going to say it in a different manner than you would in an interview. So try to practice that too. Um, we have another question. Uh, what do you think an LLM graduate can do to leverage their international experience in their resume or informational interviews? What will make a potential employer probably think of you when a position comes up? Great question. Well, first, have it relate to the job that you're applying to, right? If the, if you're looking to a, a local domestic, you know, family lawyers, maybe they don't care too much about your international experience, but if you're looking for business litigation, for example, with large companies having disputes that international experience might be more useful. Um, so really like look for a reason that it, that it matches. Yeah, and I would say, you know, go back to the firm's websites that you're applying to and look at the bios of the lawyers. And if you see there are LLMs, you know, a good amount of LLMs, it'll give you an indication as to how they feel about LLM candidates or just international work and depending on your LLM specialty. Like, you know, we happen to we happen to have a really great tax practice. Everyone in our tax practice has an LLM. So, you know, so I think just going back to a firm's website and sort of taking a look at the bios for LLMs in particular, I think will help, you know, give you a little bit more information about how they view it. Let me just add, look out for the negative side of that too. And so one of the concerns with hiring LLMs is that maybe they're not going to stay here that long. Law firms really think about people who want to stay and give a significant amount of time at the firm. If we, if we hire you, I don't want you know a year and a half and then you're out. Um, so explain, hey, I'm not from here, but here's why I want to spend my career here. And spell that out in your cover letter or in some point in the interview, but make sure that they're convinced that you actually are interested. You want to be in Boston, you have reasons for that and you're going to stay here for a while. Great. All right, we have more questions. I love this engaged audience. Terrific. Um, I This question is, I think it was Ojen who said that she values non-legal work in a resume because it shows a person knows what it's like in the service industry. I'm particularly interested in IP. So would Alvin please talk about what stands out in the trademark or IP field, aside from interesting things like doing MMA and DJing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um... See, it stood out in your mind. I thought no one would remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're um, always going to remember. I, um, I'd say, well, one part of that is those things you actually mentioned. What stood out? I was, I, my was interested in IP because of the things I did prior. Um, I did music and entertainment. I had some companies early on in college where I did management of artists and produced records. Um, I was interested in, you know, copyright because of that. I then found out copyright isn't really where all the money is these days and it's more into trademark and patents. Well, I'm not a patent person, right? But trademark work is something I was interested in and a lot of the different um, athletes and artists I, I know had trademark stuff going on. So it really got me thinking about that. So when I got into law school and started to actually really go the IP route, uh, the fact that I'm corporate was a game time decision um, when I got my job offer, I was able to leverage all the things I did prior. And then when I even interviewed, I got to discuss that. So the fact that I was interested in IP and I did the music industry stuff really was helpful. Um, I think anything that you've done that can 
you can show at least where the interest came from. Now, the fact that I had looked at a few contracts before, I had a, a undergrad professor who did our copyright work and all that stuff, that's extra. But the fact that you could be part of an industry or you just have done things that show your interest in IP is very helpful. Uh, if it links to a job or another experience, great. But they're also not expecting you to come in knowing pretty much anything. Like, you, you know, I was once told by a mutual friend of ours, Chris, that law school's like, it sets up a bunch of cups. And then when you get to the law firm, they fill up the cups, then they're in the right order. So you're not expected to go in being the IP guru, but just show that you have that interest through your prior work. That's great. And don't over-focus on the practice area itself. Focus on the underlying skills that make you excel in that practice area. So if you have a client-facing type of practice area where you're in front of people a lot, a job that you have dealt with a lot of customers or clients in some way is something that's useful to bring up. If you're going to be a tax lawyer, you know, talk about being good with numbers at a job or thing. Things that fit the, the underlying skills matter more than the practice area itself, because to Alvin's point, like you don't know anything <laughs> in, the, in the practice area. Great. All right, we've got more questions. Um, this is a great question. How do you end a good informational interview? As in, you have a great conversation, but no one really spoke about anything career related at all. You know, how do you steer the conversation back to emphasizing your interest in that firm or other employer and developing your career? I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with asking the question, you know, is there is there a potential opportunity for me at your firm? I think honestly being direct is valued, um, at, at least with, with me. I don't know how Alvin and Chris feel, but if you are interested in a firm and, and you have done one or two informational interviews, it, it's fine to say, oh, that all sounds interesting. You know, thank you so much. But I think the follow-up should be, look, I'm really interested in your firm. If there are opportunities, how do I get myself involved? Or how do I get myself in the pool to be considered? Don't be afraid to ask that question. I think that's really important. Don't be cavalier with the gratitude. Don't say thank you for your time. Yes. Like, hey, thank you. I really enjoyed our discussion about this. I loved hearing about what you did on that case. Or I, I love that story about how you had this funny thing happen to you in law school. Use that, that last minute to really say, like, I was listening to you. I care about what you had to say, and I remembered it. I'd also say from what I'll call a horror story, I was at an OCI interview with this firm that was really interesting to me. And the person found out that I used to work at the Hip Hop Archive at Harvard, and we talked about that, and we talked about how their children would love to go to that. We started talking about hip hop and how they had a client was in hip hop and all this stuff. And it seemed like a great interview and I didn't really follow up the way Chris and Ojin are talking about. And I get a letter, thank you, a handwritten letter. Thank you so much for this wonderful interview, it was great. But it was my fault that I didn't learn enough about what you do <laughs> or what's going on to be able to offer you anything. And I really enjoyed you and I'm sure that there could be something there, but we did. And it was one of those moments was like, well, shame on me because I thought I'm talking about what they wanna talk about but make sure you bring it back to getting the job. <laughs> and you know, and that you talk enough about the skills as was mentioned earlier. And it was fine, I was not heartbroken. There were other opportunities and that's, you know, that's life, but that, that's why it's really important to, you know, if you're gonna do what Ojin says and make that ask, quickly take stock. Did I do enough to even make that ask or, or present that my interest in that way? What a story, my goodness. Okay, <laughs> um, that is great. 
All right, um, next question. Um, thank you all so much for your time and advice. It's so nice and polite, even this question. Outside of the BBA, are there any specific places you'd recommend looking for virtual networking events for recent graduates? It's a terrific question. I would say affinity groups um, in particular. Um, there, you know, that, that to me has actually been a great source. Like uh, I'm involved with the Massachusetts Black Lawyers Association. Um, and I, I do think that's just a quick way um, to expand your network. And from there, you'll get recommendations. You'll be asked to participate. You might be asked to, you know, join a board on one of these organizations. And then I'd also say a way to expand your network is, is just to expand your network. Other things that are non-legal are very important. Um, those are the people that will become your clients. They might know other attorneys. They, it just, you never know. So doing things, getting involved in things you're genuinely interested in will help expand your network. Because being, the legal community is so small, everyone will know each other pretty quickly, but the larger community is who we serve. So knowing them is very important as well. Well, and I would reinforce, I know our other panelists are probably going to bring in um, additional points as well. I think we're all very enthusiastic about this point that, you know, nothing better than being referred to a lawyer or a potential employer by a client, right? So to your point, Evan, you know, outside the, the law, um, you know, any industry experts or clients or, you know, is terrific. And I would just add, um, to go back to your law school, because, you know, if you're a recent graduate, a lot of times law firms will go, go to the local law schools to post things that are going on at firms just to get the word out. So don't forget that even though you've graduated, your connections to your law schools remain important, um, especially in Boston, um, long after you've graduated. When I would also say, you know, obviously I'm coming from the perspective of BC, but you could insert, you know, any school really, you know, there are a number of Boston College graduates who did not go to BC law, who would be really excited to talk to a BC law graduate, you know, so don't forget to leverage that stuff as well, or those events. Yeah, to Alvin's point, I, I'm very big on where are the clients coming from kind of opportunities, and particularly small firms care, like they know you're not going to walk in the door with clients as a first year lawyer, but they kind of hope you'll get them one day. And so showing an interest in like the real estate industry, you, you join some groups where the professionals do networking in real estate, or you, you, you know, I'm a construction lawyer, as I mentioned, like when a student or a recent graduate comes to me and they say, hey, I was at the Associated General Contractors networking event the other day, boom, I'm in, you're interested in this practice area and it's sincere and that you know, really gives you a leg up on competition. Mm -hmm. And also going back to the point that was made earlier about, um, you know, lawyers wanting to push um, things that they're doing, law firms' websites are great sources of information. Just keep going back to them because inevitably they will absolutely post things that are going on, you know, whether they're happening at the firm virtually in this environment or whether some of their lawyers are involved in industry organizations or events. So you know, keep going back to those websites because they're a wealth of information. Terrific. Um, our next question, we have so many questions. I love this group, it's terrific. Um, what advice would you give law students in terms of extracurricular involvements during law school that would stand out to firms on a resume? Anything to do with practical skills is obviously the most useful. If you did the negotiation competition or the mock trial or client counseling, or you took classes that are very specific, like deposition and mediation or things that are relative to the kind of practice area. I'm a litigator, so those, 
those particular ones matter to me. Anything practical skills will absolutely help sell you to me. Yeah, I also think anything, um, you know, if you're if you're interested in a sport and you're still playing that sport, even if it's, you know, through your local town league or whatever it is that you're doing, anything that shows team work, I think for a lot of firms that, at least for me, that stands out because it shows that you can work with people and that you can juggle things at the same time, which is lawyers, you know, that's what we do. We're constantly juggling various demands. So things like that stick out to me. I would also say, if you want on a resume, don't be afraid to put relevant coursework on there, you know, in your education section, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, folks are getting your transcript and or lots of transcripts in high volume, and they're not going to take the time to open that attachment and kind of really look. And so if you want to tease out, you know, some relevant coursework that's related to the practice of the industry, I think that's completely fair game. Um, I want to be mindful of everyone's time, but we have one question that's a really important one and would love to, to hear your feedback. Can any of you speak about how COVID has impacted recruitment at your firms or more generally? Any advice for current 2Ls looking to go the associate position route? In brief, just because we don't have a lot of time. It's a big question. Yeah, obviously hiring somebody new with, with not being able to mentor them side by side is a challenge. And so presenting your, your skill at technology and the ability to work with remote direction and the fact that you've done it now, you've had some time, you know, hey, I studied for the bar and passed it during COVID. So I've got some skills in figuring out how to, how to deal with things in, in the challenging times, but just address it. Just say, look, I know we can't be in the office day to day for the next six or seven months. Uh, and I'm ready for that. And I'm comfortable with going the extra mile to make sure that we are on the same page with my, my growth and learning at the firm. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point. I, I think it's less an issue with the interview process. I think it's more of an issue with the integration process once they're at the firm. And I think it goes to the mentoring piece and just being able to sit side by side by someone or just seeing them in the hallway, you know, and, and catching up on what they're doing and making sure that they're understanding and, and have, having a new lawyer be able to walk into an attorney's office and say, hey, I don't really understand this question. I don't really understand that. Now it's sort of like, okay, well, I have to make an appointment to talk to them or I have to draft an email and make sure that everything is perfect and I fully understand what I'm drafting um, before I can even ask the question. So I, I, so I, don't think, I don't think we're struggling with the interviews and the hiring. I think it's more, honestly, the integration and bringing and onboarding people that is, you know, we're doing it, but it's certainly a little less smooth as I think it normally would be. And I think one point is to show your enthusiasm, not so much necessarily anyone's case here, but, you know, when a new lateral is brought in, like from another firm, right now, the only thing that really denotes them switching over is when they close one laptop and then open up the new firm laptop, and then they have now switched employment. Um, so I think in your case, while you're not, you're not coming from somewhere else, showing your enthusiasm to receive and open that new laptop and eagerness to work in this environment. And to, as Chris said, like I took the bar during COVID, like, you know, I've you already been socialized to this. This is actually, you probably more than anyone else right now have been socialized to this. Um, so I think, you know, just remit, keeping that enthusiasm and not so much bogged on how this might hinder you. It's just, this is just where we are and I'm ready to move through it. Well, and I think, and I would just add, I mean, just in case the question behind that question is like, how's the market? 
You know, I mean, I think we've all given tips about how's recruitment, you know, how does one recruit during COVID? Yes. But if the question was, you know, are you still hiring? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> and, and I think everyone would probably um, suck at that, which is terrific. So um, I just want to thank you all so much um, for being here. Such great advice, you know, um, on how to stand out. I think um, hopefully our attendees have gotten some great tips. I guess very, very briefly, kind of lightning round, what's your one best tip as to how to stand out? And again, alphabetical order, first name. Alvin, how about you? Um, be you and, and say something that you're proud of. Um, if you're proud of it, it's probably appropriate and it's probably very much you. Chris? My one best tip I would say is, is deliver what you promise. I think if you say, I would like to meet with you, you know, and, and learn about your practice, then come do that. If you want an informational interview, then, then come do that. If I'm going to call you in a week, then make sure that you call me in a week. You know, make sure that your follow through is there because a lot of people, and like myself, when I was new, you get all excited and you're working on your job hunt and then you get burnt out and you put it down for a while and, you, and you've neglected some promises that you've made. So have a plan, actually a schedule for yourself so that each day to day you're doing specific things in your job search. And that way you're checking the boxes and if you've promised to follow up with me in two weeks, you actually have it somewhere on your calendar to do that. And it's really important to be consistent and reliable. Great. Okay. And I would just say, I think Alvin and Chris um, hit, hit the nail on the head. The one thing I think is important to remember is that even if you don't get the position you want in this phase of your career, Boston is a small community and the lateral market is always very hot in Boston. So make sure that whoever you're meeting during this process, they will remember you. And a lot of times they actually will seek you out um, when they have open positions available because they were impressed by you in an interview and for whatever reason just couldn't offer you a position. So just keep that in mind that don't give up and, and always keep the door open with people. And I, I know we're out of time. I, I, one quick point that, that reminded me of. When people do hire laterally, they announce it. The law firms will make an announcement. They've just hired so-and-so. Look where that person left. Great. Great They're advice. probably hiring. That's <laughs> <laughs> like fantastic. That. I want to thank you all for being here today. And thank you so much to the BBA. On behalf of the Committee for New Lawyer Employment, I want to thank everyone for participating um, and to really encourage you all to get involved in the BBA, whether you're a law student or a recent grad. You know, we really are all here to support you, not only to find your first job, but but support you throughout your career. And I hope you don't hesitate to reach out. So thanks for joining us and uh, happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. Take care, everyone. Take care.